from playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board. Welcome inside episode 65 of On the Board. I'm Colby McKee. Out there in the stratosphere, Corey Bacoskis is here. Hello. How's it going, my Good, man? Good, my man. It's been a long time. How are things out in the island? Oh, they're just peachy. <laughs> Weather's good. Um, yeah, nothing else going on in life, but uh, yeah. Nice to have some hockey back in our lives, isn't it? Yeah, bought one of those uh, WHL uh, subscriptions and watched the Tigers on the weekend. That was a little bit refreshing, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad the WHL's back and hockey's in full swing. Same here. Lance Dahl will be with us shortly. He's actually just finishing up an email as we speak, so we'll uh, we'll catch up with him in just a few minutes' time. But we'll start things off, like you mentioned, Corey, in the WHL, uh, the hockey for the junior side of things, is back up and running. The WHL started up there on Friday, and the first game of the calendar year was uh, Medicine Hat Tigers and the Red Deer Rebels. Obviously a big weekend here in the hat for Mr. Bob Ridley. He hit his career game number 4,000 broadcasting for the Tigers and uh, ended up getting a WHL Media Award named after him uh, after Saturday's game. Uh, crazy weekend, though. Tigers are 2-0. Uh, we'll, you, can talk, you can actually take it wherever you want, Corey. You want to talk Bob Ridley? You want to talk the, the Tigers weekend? Where do you want to go with it? Yeah, sure. I think Bob deserves his own little spot there. Um, yeah great for him like obviously last year just was terrible timing for this i mean um you look at the the red deer game that ended on wednesday and then you know you're gearing up for the friday saturday home and home with swift current and on saturday is going to be bob ridley's night but then then covid hits and um it was just such you know it was already terrible that covid kind of uh finished hockey um way back then but to to have bob's night just you know not happened back then it was just it was just a little extra you know hard pill to swallow um but yeah to have uh have it this season obviously no fans in the 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 rink but i'm sure a lot of people um tuned in via whl live i know i did um just he's just a great man and he's so humble he you know I, I guarantee he was. He, he doesn't like to say very many nice things about himself. Like he, he's not about himself. He's all about um, everybody else. And so to have have his night where it's all about him, um, it, it was just great. And I think a lot of people appreciated it for him. I can say I know for sure here at the station we were. Uh uh, planning a vehicle parade for Bob uh, on Saturday. Uh, Going to be having him like within the windows of the co-op place, a newly, newly named co-op place. And uh, those plans got X-nayed by Mr. Ridley because he just, like you mentioned, didn't want the publicity, didn't really want uh, the, the big celebration that goes along with that. But uh, fantastic, you know, fast, fantastic achievement and uh, an amazing milestone for a man that has been a, an icon for for many, you know, growing up in the sports broadcasting industry. So that's fantastic stuff there for Mr. Ridley. Uh, the Tigers weekend in general, well, you mentioned it off the hop. I mean, uh, 2-0, and beat up on Red Deer on Saturday. But the Friday game, the season opener, um, for 50 minutes, I'd say that Red Deer was in control all the way, 4-1 there in the third. And then the last 10 minutes, boy, the Tigers get hot. Yeah, it like the same thing happened last year. I'm trying to remember the game, but it was like the Red Deer had a 4-1 lead and kind of dominated through. And then Tigers were like, oh, wait, we're playing Red Deer and then just turned it on. Um, yeah, like, I mean, nothing against Red Deer. They have an all right team, but I mean, the Tigers have a lot of returning guys. I mean, 
you just you look at the veterans they have they're just a better team so I think something just kind of kicked in in the third and you know I, they just started to play hockey again and, and finally kind of got things together um, and, and led by the uh, the veterans for sure I mean Hopple with the hat trick and uh, you know Spakovsky had the tying one in, the, in, in like the last minute there and yeah you know it, it was it was a very fun game to watch on Friday night for sure Lance Dahl is with us. He's just adjusting his headphones as we speak. <laughs> Hang on here. Let's see if we can get him on the Lamp. line. How about now, Mr. Dahl? Check, check, one, two. Is What's that, going on? Is that a little better? Yeah. I'm here. Started without you. <laughs> What's going on? How are we? We're, talk, we're talking Tiger. Can you hear me? Can you hear Corey? Hi. No. Okay. No, I can't. How about oh. now? Yeah, now I can. Hey. Hi. What's up? Hi. Uh, so we're, talking we're talking the the, the opening weekend here of the Tigers. Uh, oh, yeah. we, we talked a little bit of ball. We talked a little bit of the uh, the two and zero start. Uh-huh. Do you want to uh, pick things up? Uh, your thoughts on, on Bob's four thousand or uh, the Tigers two and zero start? Uh, it's a shame that no one could be there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's already been mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, sucks that no one could be there for four thousand, but at the same time, uh, there'll be more things to celebrate. And I think Bob would r- rather at this point just celebrate uh, when his career is over. Right. Uh, because when you have to wait almost 365 days for for 4,000, it's kind of lame. Yeah. Um, but no, and, and the season started off really well. I mean, the the first game, the season opener in Red Deer was a bit of a bit of a mess to start, and, and it didn't look good. And then, I mean, they they pull out the win late, and then you see how that second game started, and you're like, okay, so maybe it was just how things you know were going with 10 rookies on the team, or however many they are. Um, but no, over the weekend it looked really good. We'll see how this weekend shapes up with with, with Edmonton and uh, clearly a better team uh, overall than than what Red Deer was. I was just kind of surprised that Red Deer's goaltending was so bad because, like, I mean, Anders and Fancy were there last year, and they. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dude, is it just me or has Byron Fancy and Ethan Anders been the tandem for twenty years? It feels that way. Like, yeah, like they've been together since the nineties. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> <laughs> like it feels like they were there when Dion Phaneuf was there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was Cam Ward and then those two. Literally, <laughs> they drafted them like before they were conceived. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't understand okay. like like how they like, they look that way because like they're they're both better than than how they performed. I think they'll well probably a lot of it has to do with the team that they have in front of them, and it's kind of hard to read into things because every team is so differently shaped this year than it would be in a normal season. But, uh, but yeah, my, my goodness, I, I don't know what they're going to do when Anders and Fancy leave because, I, I mean, do they even have any other goaltenders? I, no, I, I, I think it's fine. I think they got another five years out of them, I think. Oh. Uh, so they'll, they can start drafting now and find some guys. Yeah, that's fair. Start, start drafting 11-year-olds now, get them to sign <laughs> commitment contracts and go from there. <laughs> Ten-year deals, exactly. I like it. Um, shout out to Oasis Wiseblatt and uh, Braden Baum. They got their first career Tigers goals uh, as members of the Orange and Black. That was nice to see. Obviously, uh, Wiseblatt, a pretty highly ranked prospect, along with his brother there from PA. Uh, so expecting some big things out of Wiseblatt as well as Baum. That's definitely for sure. And uh, one point you got in here, Corey, really fascinating yeah. to me. I mean, the schedule as it is right now. They're playing Friday and Saturday, uh, sometimes having the weekend off. That's just the way the schedule works with five teams in the division that you can play only four can play in a weekend and one team's going to be left on the outs um, you know every other weekend um, will Garen Bjorklund play all 24 games for the Tigers I, I don't think so I think you got to give some development time 
to Beckett. We've been, you know, we've been touting Beckett for... Doesn't need development time. He's for, ready to go. He's ready to go for Team no, Canada. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, WHL games are just going to weigh him down at this point. It's true. Why would you even bother getting him in? Like, don't risk injury. You already know he's there. Yeah, yeah no, but the, uh, the reason I kind of say that is, like, I mean... You know, sure, they're back-to-backs, but obviously you have five, six days to, to rest again. And obviously, like, he just got drafted by the, the Capitals. So um, I'm wondering if there's maybe not pressure, but some advice coming down from the NHL squad saying, like, hey, like, we want to see him in as many games as possible so he's getting that game time growth. Um, I don't know. I just It was just kind of a thought. I think it's a little unrealistic to go all 24, but... You know, I'm looking like if Beckett didn't get in this weekend, I doubt he gets in against Edmonton, and then all of a sudden you start the line. But yeah, I, I actually thought about that too on Saturday. I was like, okay, because because I assumed that they were going to split to start, and then you would see Garen take uh, the vast majority of starts the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of surprised when when Bjorkland had the first two in Red Deer, and now, like you said, I don't think I wouldn't expect. Beckett to come in against Edmonton, but if he does, it's probably a you know forty-five save shutout, whatever. Um, <laughs> right. Which yeah. is it's the, it's the bar that he's set for himself after that. What was it? Training camp scrimmage tournament. So From last year, yeah. Yeah, the, the bar is now really high for <laughs> a year and a half ago. Yeah. Right, right. So it's a really high bar now for Beckett Lankow in my mind. But I, I honestly don't know what the realistic split is, and maybe reaching out. To uh, to Matt Wong and getting a feel for what he thinks it might be, might be the the easiest way to get that answer. But be- because I know there is a lot of weighing in that NHL clubs have when their um, prospects are within the WHL organization. I know uh, Ottawa wanted Mad Sogar, for example, to work on a lot of things that uh, at, at the WHL level. You also want them to work on things that you need in the games, not just what they need from development. So that balance is really tricky. Uh, but the number I ended up coming up with was 20 and 4. I think if mm. if Garen started 20 and Beckett had 4 over the course of the season, that's like that's tough for, for Beckett, right? It is, because yeah. you don't want to completely disregard developing a goaltender as you move through into next season. But at the same time, like you said, you only have X amount of games and every other weekend, I mean, every weekend except for the odd one that you're going to be playing on back-to-back. So there's rest is not an issue. It's just a matter of how you want to balance it. I figured 20-4 and four might be the most common thing or like 19-5 mm-hmm. all the way down to 18-6, but 18-6 seems like not enough for Garen. And like you mentioned, this is the, the lead-up towards next fall. Like, the, this mm-hmm. is the precursor, whatever this happens to be, whether playoffs are included or not. Like, this is just to get these guys back on the ice in some sort of capacity, uh, you know, leading up to next fall and, and potentially a full season that way. It's very interesting. I, I, mean, I like that. I think 20-4, and four, like you mentioned, I mean, 18-6, that's that's good enough um, for, for development purposes. And, and Garen is, he's the number one at this stage, and... You know, you got to grow Beckett and you can do so in different ways, not just, mm-hmm. you know, full time game time action, I should say. Um, you mentioned both of you guys, uh, the opponent for this weekend, the Edmonton Oil Kings. They absolutely shit kicked Lethbridge mm-hmm. in both Friday and Saturday's game, 7-1 and 7-2. And uh, like you mentioned here, Corey, I mean, the, the Cousins Addison era of Hurricanes hockey uh, is gone. And this is another young team led by, you know, Zach Stringer. That's a local boy out of Lethbridge. And, uh, you know, Dino Campbites is their captain. He's a he's an overage guy. Uh, but, you know, not a lot of the, the star talent, I guess, in Lethbridge. And, uh, you know, looking forward in this division, 
Edmonton with you know Dylan Gunther and getting uh, you know the guy uh, what's his, I'm sorry name's mistaking me went to training camp he's a winger Jake Neighbors mm-hmm. I'm thinking of uh, yeah. uh, you know yeah. you know some star talent there in Edmonton if you're going for a quote unquote division leader you're probably leaning the Oil Kings yeah I their team looks so good like I'm just. I was going to put it in here in the notes, but I didn't think it'd be much of a conversation if, like, if this was a full season, who could, you know, topple over Edmonton? And I don't think there's a team, maybe Everett, but, um, yeah, they're just loaded with, like, high-drafted 18- and 19-year-olds, and they just, yeah, they they scare me. I'm glad it's not a full season. Um, I mean, and you, you, we were talking about Lethbridge. I'm, I'm comparing what the Tigers are going to look like in 13 years. Or 13, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Might be know. 13 years. Yeah. That'd be like how no, Pirate sorry, Fancy yeah. and Ethan Anders will still be in Red Deer. <laughs> They'll still be around. Sorry, three years when like, or two years maybe when Cylinder's 19 and then like Wiseblatt and this, this group of 16-year-olds start to get, you know, 18, 19. You know, Edmonton's top players are going to be gone. And you know, I, I, I think... Medicine Hat's really looking good with the amount of youth they have here. Um, this year and next year is definitely Edmonton's years. Um, if next year is a full season, I still probably have them as a favorite. But, I mean, after that, I think the Tigers are going to be looking at some some deep playoff runs. Yeah, it's it, it lines up to really have their window open in two years' time. When, mm-hmm. if Beckett comes along to... A, a number one, legitimate number one level. Uh, the the forward group is there. I mean, they've built around it. I mean, obviously, Oasis Wiseblatt's kind of the name that that's taken off, and, and by rights, he he should because he almost looked like a, a Brendan Gallagher type in the first two games, just the way that he plays and the the amount of intensity that he has on every single shift, which is hard to manufacture when it's an empty building. I know it's like your first couple of games in the dub, but still it's hard to manufacture that when you don't have a crowd energy. Um, but they also have like like a guy like Ashton Furster, who's like 6'4", and just smashes people. That's a different look for the Tigers. Up Did front, you watch though. him on Saturday night? He was a, he was a man among I, boys. I loved him. I was so excited to bring his name up, like, like the next sentence I was going to say. He, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering why, like, why he didn't make it as a 16-year-old because I think he was a, a fourth-round pick, and I was like, mm, maybe he's a little bit, you know, not hitting his ceiling. But here's a 17-year-old. He's he's a big body and he's not afraid to use it. Like, I, I'm sure his hands could use a little bit of work and a shot, but I think he's just perfect for that fourth line. The, and the the big thing I noticed with Furster was that I mean, typically when anyone's big in the dub, their foot speed's just a step behind, and he wasn't really a step behind. Like, I don't know if that was just really, really strong hockey IQ that he was always in the right spot or was always in an acceptable position, but it, it, there was never a point where if you watched first or play in those first two games where you're like, oh, he's a he's a step off or he, he's getting to spots late. Like, it, he adds a very different element to the Tigers forward group, just his presence alone that they haven't seen in a long time. Like long I, time. I honestly can't remember the last guy that could impact games in his style in, in recent memory. Like the the things that he can do with his size, and he can play below the goal line still, which is a big part of of what you know Willie Desjardins' offense looks like, where it's cycling the puck, playing down low, and, and kind of winning board battles. Like that guy is, he's on a different level, and, and that's just a couple of, of the 10 rookies that are on this team this season. That's why this is so exciting because they're getting legitimate games against fairly legitimate opponents. 
Um, and, and that's why it's tough for teams like Edmonton who are built for now and now whether whether you like it or not really doesn't mean as much in, in the grand scheme of things from a team perspective. Uh, it, it just doesn't have that same feeling. So uh, yeah, the Tigers window in about two years should be wide open. The players that, that Willie and, and coaching staff and management have selected aren't usually guys like Furster though like to be fair no. like they for years Tigers have been a you know small and speedy team like you mentioned play on the boards they're not a physical rough and tumble get in front of the net you know provide a screen type of you know offense but I wonder if the like. mentality has changed because could, definitely like Corson Hoppo has made an impact as that kind of guy not as big as Furster mm-hmm. but plays that same way where not afraid to you know mix it up with anybody and gives an impact every single shift, and now he's one of the leaders on this team as, what, was he like a seventh-round pick or something in the Bantam draft? He was, yeah. So I wonder if there's something to that where it's kind of a conscious effort as you get later into the rounds to find these guys that can impact games on on an intensity and, in Furster's case, a size level. Um, I wonder if that's part of their drafting strategy over the last little bit, and if we aren't going to see more of that down the road with these other late round picks that maybe start emerging. And look at like a guy like Caden Glover playing first line winger yeah. uh, for the first two games as well on a line with Chizowski. Like that's a, that's a big spot for another rookie, like you mentioned, big time opportunity. And he's got some size as well, you know, six one, and he's going to grow into his frame as well. So that's to your point, Lance, like that could be uh, a mental mindset, you know, growing with these other teams that are, you know, bigger, stronger, potentially. Uh, you got to have a little bit of balance, I think. And that's what the name of the game is, in my opinion. Um, uh, I, sorry, ahead. just adding on to it. Like, I mean, you look at what, like, the Bellary-Lethbridge Hurricanes did to these Tigers, like, two years ago. And it was just, like, any time the Tigers would go into Lethbridge, there would be at least be, like, two injuries on our team. Like, <laughs> two guys mm-hmm. were out with concussions. They double us in hits. Um, and then you see the success you have when you bring in a guy like Parker Gavlis last year and Dylan Plouffe, right? Like, I think Willie saw where the success was coming from last season. And honestly, a lot of it had to do with Parker Gavlis and, and Dylan Plouffe. So yeah. just, just those big bodies making a difference. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted while we're shouting out rookies, um, Rhett Parsons and Aiden Brook as, as a pairing, let alone... Yeah. Uh, as two rookies that are just in the game, but to be paired up together and not look out of place. Uh, shout out to them. Aiden Brook looks legit. Uh, and Rhett Parsons, if he trends in that right direction, I mean, he, he kind of can, can grow into what Drew Krebs was, where people last year weren't really sure what Drew was going to do and ended up cementing himself as a you know, legitimate piece of, of their blue line last year. Uh, th- those two guys getting the experience together is not by accident. I don't think for years to go or years to come rather. But uh, but yeah, they wanted to shut them out because they looked really good. That's the one aspect of this Tigers team that is not lacking in size. I mean, you mm. go to the uh, the the hockey DB side of all these guys like Krebs. You did mention is the smallest guy at five eleven. Everybody else is six two, six three, six four. They've really built some size on that back end while not lacking the foot speed that you need to keep up with some yeah. of these high-end forwards. Yeah, they can all move. They can all skate. also mm-hmm. want to shout out, I mean, you got to mention Cowboy Clayton. Seven points. He's Norris the new, candidate. The new Chris Russell, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Just Apple City. I mean, seven points in these first two games. Uh, the Saturday was very special for him with all those points and you know career highs across the board. Like He is obviously a stalwart for this defense score this year. 
earning the A, not just point wise, uh, but leadership and, and you know mental ability and stuff like that. Like he's uh, going to be a, a very key piece on this young Tigers team going forward. For sure, yeah, I, I like his game a lot, and you know to have Krebs alongside of him, I like that. I think um, obviously last year was Baker and Clayton, and I thought they'd do that again, but I think for Krebs. Uh, development over these next over this season um, having a guy like Clayton is going to allow him to do a lot more things offensively and take a lot more chances and realize you know what he can do with the puck um, this season mm, happy birthday to Cole I think he's still five years old that's right yeah so, you, you guys did bring him up on the show yeah yeah he's a <laughs> leap year so so happy fifth birthday again <laughs> I think he's five so is uh is this upcoming fall when he goes to, to kindergarten I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long wait. Yeah, like, long time. I mean, you think Byron fans and Ethan Anders have been there for a hot minute? Who? Oh. We got another like thirteen. Well, more than that. We got like thirty years left to Cole Clayton. <laughs> Uh, one more news and note to get from around the WHL. The BC division has uh, reached agreement with the province on their uh, return to play plan. Going to be hosting some hub cities in both Kelowna and Kamloops. Their 24-game schedule, I believe, kicks off at the end of the month here in March, around the 26th, I believe, the Friday night. Um, that is an interesting start. I wonder if if there happens to be some delays here in Alberta, even in Saskatchewan as well, if the timelines across all three provinces allows for the games to be finished off around the same time period. I wonder if, does that matter at all? Do you guys think? Hmm? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. At this point, no. Because there's not, if there's not any sort of a playoff situation, no then it really shouldn't matter. I mean, almost staggering it makes it a little bit better for them because they get more mm-hmm. eyes on their app, which <laughs> struggled mightily again <laughs> on the weekend. Um, Fridays did for sure, yeah. Holy smokes. Like Saturday, though, much better? Uh, sure. Did you catch the replay of the games like I did? Cause I, the replays look fantastic. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, I didn't watch it live. Yeah, Saturday was... I guess the thing with Saturday was I, I didn't know what to expect off the front. Um, True. And then I, I jumped in, and then I saw a couple ice guys walking around with a fucking ladder, and I said, well, that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> that's why I haven't heard any audio yet, because someone fucked up the glass. It's been 350-some days since we played in here, and the glass is not okay on night number one. Love it. But uh, but no, I don't think it matters too much to get back to the original question. If, sure. if they end at different times or whatever. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. It almost, it almost works better if they stagger it like that. Because then you can, they can get more eyes on it because people check into BC and then Saskatchewan and then Alberta, right? Yep. Corey, mm-hmm. anything you want to add to that topic? No, I think you guys just summed it up pretty well there. Fantastic stuff. All right, we'll move things over to the big boys, the NHL, and the uh, news around the league there uh, over in Montreal. They fired Claude Julien, replaced him with Dominic Ducharme. And, uh, I mean, we started this season, and Montreal was... One of the best teams, not only in the North Division, but in all of hockey. They were blowing expectations out of the water. And recently, I mean, Carey Price has not been super Carey Price. And you wonder if, in most cases, coaches being fired is not all on the coach. It's it's a kind of a reactionary move to change something in the locker room. When, in all honesty, it's the players and maybe the lack of star talent we kind of talked about with Kelly Rudy Lance that haven't been able to catapult them into winning more games than they should. 
Yeah, I just don't really understand why they did it. I still don't. I, I've heard people try and explain it, and it doesn't really resonate with me because I don't, I don't understand. Um, every single team across NHL this season is going to have spots where they don't look so good, and then they'll have spots they look good because that's professional hockey, and it's like any other season <laughs> where you're going to have times when you look good, and then you're going to have times where you look bad, and you're probably somewhere in the middle of those two points as to what your team actually is. And I mean, Montreal has been doing a lot of good things. Like, I mean, lately, not as much, but that happens. So to, to make the move at this point in the year, I, I just don't really get it, I, I suppose, is the best way to phrase my thoughts. I'm not sure what surprised me more was that or the goalie, the director of goaltending, was it Stefan Waite getting punted in the second period? That's right. He's just like, enough's enough. Mark Vergevin said, we've had enough of you. I mean, I will say Sean Burke has a, lo- a load of experience in and brings quite a, a nice resume into a spot that uh, I think he'll flourish, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm confused, to say the least. I didn't think things were that bad in Montreal, but apparently they are. No. No, yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like, if you take out the Vancouver games this year, I think like aren't the Canadians like below five hundred or something? Okay, uh, that might be, but that's like so. That's such a useless stat because like you well, can't like they're, they're still in the division. Like it's, everyone's playing just the same six teams, right? But if you start to try and compare yourself to the the Toronto's and you know maybe the Winnipeg's and even the Edmontons, or you know you, you start to see yourself. You know, not not being able to compete against them. I guess I don't know. I I, I agree with you. I think it was it was too soon. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There, I don't know what the reasoning is behind it. I I just wonder when this is going to stop being the coach's fault like, or the general you know, manager. Is he the next one? Like, how many well, chances does saying. he get? Yeah, and like Carey Price. Like, how many coaches has Carey Price gone through? Yeah, I don't I think, know how you can say it's Bergevin though. Like, how can you say it's Bergevin when two weeks, three weeks ago, everyone was like, holy fuck, they got Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson. Look how good they are. Sure. You can't say two weeks later, oh, yeah, well, we, we should probably get rid of the GM. Well, how many coaches has get he a gone through, though, too? I mean, Claude Julien's been there a little bit, though. The guy had a heart attack, almost died, I and know. then he, he gets fired halfway through a shortened season. Like, I don't, that, I don't I, disagree. I, I know, that's shitty on I have no end. idea why he got fired. Yeah. But I just, but I don't know how you could say that Mark Bergevin is the problem. Bergevin's job is to try and give these guys players. Um, they, he's done that in spades. Okay. Sometimes it's just things aren't going your way. And I mean, Carey Price with a sub 900 save percentage is not going to help things. It's not going their way. Like nope. that, that's, that's on Carey Price. That's yeah. squarely on Carey Price. If, you're, if your save percentage is below 900, it's probably on you. And there's, there's no other way to really chop it up. I mean, I just feel like Bergevin's been on this hot seat now for probably two, three years now. Uh, going back to you know his lack of free agent moves, uh, not signing any big names. Sure, I I'll give him all the credit. He made some great, you know, team specific needs. He got Jake Allen. He got Edmondson. He got like you mentioned Toffoli and Anderson for Domi. Like some actually really good moves. But I also don't think his lifeline is gonna you know extend. For too much longer, there's got to be another scapegoat, and they can't trade the whole team. It's got to go back on somebody. Yeah, okay, so what more could he have done? I guess is my question. 
in this season, I'll give like, I'll, I'll give you that. Like in this tough trade economy, there's right. not a lot he could do. And last year they exceeded expectations, right? So you want it almost to stay the course in that aspect? Because why would you mess up a good thing? I, I'm with you. I don't understand why. Like coach aside, this is a squarely on Bergevin. Mm-hmm. He built a team that exceeded expectations last year, and maybe the expectations got a little too high this year. But they're still a good team. They're playing in a tough division where every single night you're playing some of the best offenses in hockey. So I don't know that, like, there's there's not much more he can do. Yeah, there's not much more that he can provide that hasn't already been done. Like, what more could you ask of him that he hasn't already checked off? So that's why I can't pin it on Bergevin. Sure, no, that's fair. I mean, I I think it's not going to be this season. God no. I mean, he's already made his choice, but mm. he has chose Dominic Ducharme for a long time. He said COVID or without COVID, this was his dude. And yeah. he fired assistant coach Kirk Muller because he didn't probably didn't want to, you know, jump up Ducharme and then still have Muller there in an assistant coach role. Well, he's got Burroughs now. What's that? He's got Burroughs. And now he's got Burroughs. <laughs> exactly. So Alex Burroughs. Jeez. But yeah, I just I this to me, this has got to be his final guy in Ducharme. Like I don't know how many more chances you get at probably picking yeah. your own coach yeah. in that sense before it falls on you. That's Corey? kind of all I'm saying. So Corey, thoughts? Corey? Yeah, no, I, I'm trying to, you're right. I'm trying to look at the moves and ask if there's a bad one. And I mean, you look at not just this past off season where he went and got to Foley and Edmondson and Allen, but like the, he knocked the Pacioretty trade out of the park. Like mm-hmm. he's got Nick Suzuki coming back and you got Thomas Tatar as a throw in. Like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's not his fault, but at, at a certain point you got to start icing uh, Stanley Cup contending team, right? Like in Montreal, you really do, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, like Stanley Cup contending teams, even if they're off, they're still up there in divisions, right? Like, I mean, you look at Colorado; they're they haven't had a great start, but they're still in a playoff spot. You know, kind of hanging on right now. Like, I don't know. I, I this is such a weird team. I don't know who you can blame, uh, put the blame on. I mean, I guess other than Carey Price. But. I think the more interesting conversation is at what point does Jake Allen just take over? Because he's been playing really good. I think good. that's that's a better conversation because mm-hmm. if if they end up committing to it, purely based off of numbers, they almost should soon be before things get out of hand if Carey can't turn it around. But optic-wise, I have no idea what you do then. Yeah. I mean, so Bergevin's been there since 2012. Mm-hmm. So this is coming up on, was this year nine, year 10? In those years, mm. how many do you think that were an actual Stanley Cup contending team? None. Maybe early. Maybe early. But I mean, the, and here's the thing with, with Montreal, in my opinion, is that they've been marred in mediocrity for so long because they've always been feeling the need to win. Mm-hmm. And... You hear it a lot within sports circles lately because Brian Burke got hired by Pittsburgh, but he always says you get good fast or you get bad fast, and there's no in-between. And they're the reason why there's no in-between because that's what they've been doing. They've been trying to get good with teams that aren't good. That's true. But now they, I think, finally are there. But I'm with you, Colby. I think this is his last hire. Yeah. I think after Ducharme, I don't know how you can expect another hire out of Bergevin. In year 10, 11, or 12. Yeah, where can you go? Where can you go? Exactly. Uh, We'll move things along here. Ottawa 
is in the basement of the North Division. We kind of all expected that. We talked with Kelly Rudy about that. And it's a, definitely a development year for the Young Sens. But they're only what? They're three points out? If I'm my math? Yeah, three points out behind cool. the Canucks in the North Division. <laughs> what a shit show the Canucks season has been. We'll get to that shortly. But like for the Senators, this has got to be kind of a, even a plus for them. They've got some great play out of Norris and Stutzla. Murray's been, you know, honestly pretty awful, and they're still kind of in this spot. I think Batherson has seven straight goals. And Batherson's insane. Or seven games with a goal. And Shabbat's been there, and obviously Brady Kachuk. they got obviously a great young core in Ottawa, and their young guys are showing up more and more every game. Yeah, I think Matt Murray's turned it around a little bit. Like, his stats aren't great, but I think over the past few games, he's strung together some all-right starts. Um, But, I mean, this is just the the team that could right like i mean they just they have that youth energy about them that like they're almost you know um they they don't know how hard the game is quite yet they're just going out there and having fun and beating top teams right so it's really fun to watch and uh, i think that's exactly what you need uh if you're going to build this team um for the next few years like yeah drake bathers looked really good and stutz was coming into his own he's got 14 points like yeah there's a lot to like here yeah, and this this season might benefit Ottawa the most because, like I was saying, they're playing six of the best offenses in hockey, or at least a handful of them with Edmonton. Not Calgary. No, not Cal. Yeah, no, not Calgary. I can't put them there. But, <laughs> no. but I mean, Toronto and Edmonton. Yeah. And the top couple lines in Vancouver. Like, you're playing some of the best offensive players in the league on a fairly regular basis. And, and so this is only going to help the development of all these younger guys on a defensive structure sense of, of their game because they're like all the guys we mentioned are insanely talented and it's one of those things it's hard to teach that kind of talent it's almost impossible but you can teach how to play well in your own end in defensive structure and when you see what you're doing is resulting in some form of of progress and wins like they're getting results on what they're doing so they're it's easier to, to sell that to the team next year when things go a little bit back to normal and their division maybe isn't as as heavy, although it'll still be strong. Um, but but just the experience this year of, of what they're going to have is is going to serve them really well with the amount of youth that they have on their team. So uh, will they get to sixth? I don't know. Probably <laughs> not. But, uh, but but there's a lot to like for, for next year and the year after. If they do get the sixth... Yeah. Like the franchise that ends up being number seven might be the Canucks. Who knows? Might be the Flames for all we know. Um, that is not a great look. I mean, because a lot of prognosticators did not have the Senators finishing above the seventh spot. Um, so that that will be very interesting to see. The The race is on. <laughs> we're about, what, we're a third of the way through the season now? Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we'll go to the Vancouver quickly. I mean, Holtby, you got in the notes here, Corey. Holtby can't keep the puck out of his net. They've allowed the second most goals in the North Division, only behind the Senators, by only five. And we talked about how bad Murray has struggled for the Sens. I mean, Holtby, Demko to an extent as well. I mean, it just has not been the the standout goaltending that, not standout, that's not even the right word, but just competent goaltenders that I thought both these goalies could offer Vancouver. Yeah, I don't know what to think. Like, Demko started out so bad and now he's fucking like the guy. Like, I don't know. Like, 
I just I pity for this Vancouver team because of their GM. Like he's just he made mistakes over the past couple of years and signing some contracts that he shouldn't have, and now they're Dewey paying Erickson. for it. Yeah, but like even Tyler Myers, he's not a bad defenseman, but he's not worth what he's worth. I no. mean, Jay Beagle, all those guys. Um, like I think. You know, obviously Vancouver's core is still very young, and they're still they still got a lot of play ahead of them. But they're really missing out on some prime years for Stanley Cup contention, right? Like, I mean, you look at last year's team; that's where these guys should be at. Your best players are on the cheapest contracts they'll ever be on. Yeah, and it's not getting better. You're gonna, you know, you're starting to see once Patterson gets his full contract, uh, once Hughes gets his, and even you know, like like everybody else, even Demko, if he string some good seasons together he'll be an yes, expensive sir. goalie yeah um you start it starts to look kind of like an Edmonton situation where you're just very top heavy and you don't have the depth to win so um it sucks you know it's, it's a, t- a team that I mean everybody on the west coast has been kind of looking forward to when Pedersen and Hughes kind of hit their prime and, and Horvat's been great and all those guys but they just don't have the depth or the defense or the goaltending to to compete through a regular season let alone a playoffs now. Yeah, their their bottom six doesn't offer a lot up front. Like they they have the skill but a lot of those good teams have just litters of of two way forwards. I think of guys like like Patrick Hornquist, who is just like there's there's no, I guess irony in the fact that every team he goes on ends up winning hockey games, because <laughs> uh, because he's one of those guys that plays the right way and they're hard to find. But when you're able to find those guys and bring them into your group, it makes them exceptionally better. And I just don't know that the Canucks necess- necessarily have that and. It's a double-edged sword, and you see it in Edmonton, you see it in Toronto, and it's taking the Leafs a long time to figure this out, and they're starting to get better at it, but your skill is great, but skill-driven teams just have a tough time as a group in their own end, and the Canucks really are the the same in that aspect. They're fun to watch, they're flashy. For the most part, they're they're must-watch hockey each night, because somebody's going to do something, whether it's Pedersen or Quinn Hughes or we're even starting to get into that look with, with Niels Holglander so they, they have these guys that are fun to watch but I mean they just suck in their own end there's no really other way to put it they, they're not good uh, in defensive structure and that kind of comes over time but it also I, I mean could come on the, the, the feet of Travis Green getting kicked out because uh, I don't know how long he's going to have left yeah, fairly or unfairly, but I think his clock is, is ticking. Well, exactly. They didn't even sign him. He's a, he's a lame duck coach heading into this year. Mm-hmm. They didn't wouldn't commit to a contract uh, by Benning. And I, I just want to trade. I want to trade between Vancouver and Toronto to bring Nylander and Hoaglander together. And together oh, they'll strike with force. <laughs> you just want the Landers together? I want the Landers yeah. together. Hoagie Fair. and Nee. Fair. Yeah, they gotta go get William Woolander or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, you would need another lander. Right? I know, but so there's another one in the system. You have to find a third lander. Like even if they're an absolute, well, there's an Anton lander. Play can play center. Like if they're a slap dick prospect, it doesn't matter. They have to get in. <laughs> doesn't matter. No, exactly. Um, we'll move things over to Buffalo quickly. They're kind of a shit show as well. We thought after all this time drafting Jack Eichel. Pairing him with, you know, Taylor Hall this season, getting Jeff Skinner a couple years ago. Um, this this team would be better. I mean, their goaltending obviously isn't up to snuff. I think it's pretty fair to say. Olmark hasn't been 
that great. Uh, but, you know, Eichel's in trade rumors right now. Uh, Skinner's been healthy scratched, you know, five games in a row, three or four games for sure. And it's just a mess in Buffalo. Like, after all this time, what do you do with that core? Uh, yeah, take this one, Corey. Question. Go ahead. No, I, you got this one, man. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> what a mess, eh? You got friggin' 19-year-old Dylan Cousins having to spark the boys with a fight, which was yeah. a great friggin' fight. Or, yeah, it started really level. well for him, and then it kind of flattened off towards the end, but he, he got the better, better of lingering early. Yeah. You're um, going to see some rust early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I see um, a mouth, mouth guard fly on the ice there. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What to, I don't know what this team can do because there's there's no help coming. The help is here. It's Eichel and Middlestat and Cousins and Ristolainen. Yeah, what the hell with Middlestat? Hey, like yeah. his development has not progressed to where they thought it was going to be at this point. No, no. Um, yeah, the the answers are in the dressing room, <laughs> and in that's the a front hockey answer. With the uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, we got to get pucks in deep. You know, um, but no, it's it, it's there's something off in the water in Buffalo. I don't know. And yeah. it's just, they, they, they don't look like there's help on the way at it's just all. A, it's just another team marred in mediocrity. That's it all is. they are. Yeah, another one. Uh, not, except, e- not even. Except like, they have more firepower than, say, Montreal. Yep. No, they're not, like, they're not even mediocre. They're well, they were mediocre. Subpar. I mean, you also got to, like, remember last year when they won, like, 19 of the first 21 or something stupid? And everyone mm-hmm. was like, holy smokes, look at the Sabres. For, for and then Re- Rocket Richard. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Buffalo turned into Buffalo, and then they shit to bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that start isn't a, like a fluke. There's something to it. It's just I, I don't know that they're going to find it ever. Like I, they're like the Padres to me of hockey, where it's like until they actually do something, I won't believe it mm-hmm. because they just never seem to be able to find a way. I. I mean, with them, the easy answer is looking at who's in net and what they have on the blue line, and you can just look at those two spots and say, "Well, okay, I guess, I guess we're done here." Like, <laughs> I, I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen's probably their number two defenseman, and if you're trying to tell me that a top two defenseman in this league is Rasmus Ristolainen on a good team, I don't know if I'm here for it. So, no, I just like that. That's where it stems to for me uh, on the Jeff Skinner thing. Uh, Jeff Skinner's like a 30-goal scorer at worst if he plays top six minutes and you give him first power play time like he should be getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea what Buffalo's up to with Jeff Skinner. Yeah, like he, He's kind of like Mike Hoffman where it's like you know that he's going to be an absolute liability in his own end, but when you get a power play, he's probably going to be one of the guys that scores and he'll be able to give you a, a jolt of offense most nights. Yeah. Like... Wasn't he like a 30 goal scorer at one point or like 40 well, Carolina, goal scorer? Yeah, he was consistently there. Like, you betcha. Like you don't just forget how to score goals or you just don't get bad like that so fast. It's it's still in there. I just I don't know and he he doesn't strike me as the guy that pissed anyone off. So I'm not sure what exactly happened with Skinner, but probably a defensive liability like you mentioned. 
and uh, Ralph Krueger. Yeah, the whole fucking team's a liability, so you might as well roll with what you got. <laughs> to put the caveat on part of this season for the Sabres, I mean, they did, they've had a pretty bad bout of COVID as well. I mean, he talked mm-hmm. about Ristolainen, and he talked to a, a Finnish newspaper and talked about he was looking at his vitals like it was kind of a scary situation on his end. He's still feeling the effects, and you kind of hear that around the league as well. And uh, they were talking about how some of the cases on the East Coast was worse you know, symptom-wise than those on the West for some reason. So I don't know if that has anything um, to do with it. I know it's obviously hitting the league in, in different teams and different games are being postponed and whatnot. So got to put that out there because it's, you know, affecting the entire league this year for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing I want to get to here in the notes, Corey, you talked about the halfway point. I thought it was like the third mark of the season, but we're at the halfway point, aren't we? Yeah, we're somewhere in between those. Like I just said, we're we're closing in on it. It's probably like next week or something. But what is it, fifty six game, and we're at what like twenty twenty three range? So yeah, very a few close. More, a few more. So yeah, I mean, cup favorites at this point. We we did make our predictions in the first week of the season. Um, off the top yeah. of my head, I can't remember what most of us picked. I think I picked the Golden Knights, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, Lance, do you remember who you picked too? Or, I don't know. No, I probably took the Ducks. You took the dog. I think you no, did. I didn't I think take you the did. fucking What about the dog? wild? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The wild. But, uh, I mean, cup favorites. I mean, you got to look at Toronto. They're leading the league in points right now. I wonder if a Canadian team can get out of that North Division. Um, obviously, the teams in the uh, in the cent- sorry, in the West Division with the, the Golden Knights and the Blues and the Avalanche, even the Wild. I mean, I mentioned the Wild in joke, but they are holding steady there, the number three spot. Um, any other teams you want to throw in there, Corey? Yeah, I think I went with Colorado last time, so I'm going to switch it up, but I'm going to stay in the division. i got to go with the leaders. I mean, Vegas has kind of been beating on everybody in that division. And uh, my buddy that I grew up with, uh, Dylan Coughlin, shout out him, got his NHL debut a couple weeks ago with them. Nice. um, Yeah, no, they, I mean, they're in first, and they have four more games to go. Yeah. against, you know, over the Blues. The Blues have 22 and Vegas has uh, 18. So I think they're going to roll to the victory on in that division. I think they, they got to be the favorite or one of them uh, going in. Um, yeah, nice. I'll just think? pull back the tape and whoever I said to start the season, I'm sticking with. You're keeping with that. I don't you remember who it was, it. though. I don't remember. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a call. I should have wrote it down. I, I should have wrote mine down, too, 100%. No, you didn't go west. What did you go? You didn't go west. You didn't? You hey? chirped me for west. You're like, oh, <laughs> west did. is too hard. You went with, like, you go Tampa? Know, Tampa or something. I think maybe. Capitals? Islanders? You did somebody in an easy division. So it was north I feel like Central. it wouldn't be in my character to pick Tampa because they won last year, and I probably wouldn't say they went back-to-back. But I can't remember. I can't remember. I know your dark um, horse was Montreal. If everyone wants to roll back the tape yeah, and let I us still, know. I still believe in Montreal. Believe it or not, I still do. No, shut up. I do. <laughs> shut your mouth. 100% mind. do. I still think that they might win the division. Oh, wow. 100%. Okay. They're going to get the coach bump, as yeah. you typically see. Carey Price won't be this bad for the rest of the season. Okay. I think they're going to end up being one of the uh, top teams in the North. They're making the playoffs, though. Well, they're going to make playoffs, yes. Okay. All right. And then they might win the North Division. You're gonna, okay, so Corey, let's book this mark. Let's bookmark this. March 3rd, mm-hmm. 2021. Yep. Mm-hmm. Six forty-seven Mountain Time. Oh yeah, five forty-seven. Yeah, five forty-seven Pacific. Five forty-seven Corey Time. You're right. Yeah. All right, we'll come back to this one. That's a great hole, man. That's ballsy. Very ballsy. Okay, we'll uh, move things along here. Corey's on a time frame, as he always is. Uh, NFL wise, couple news and notes. JJ Watt, defensive end, heading to the Arizona Cardinals. I liked his um, announcement post on Twitter. 
doing some <laughs> you doing a squat in an Arizona yeah. Cardinals shirt. Did you hear the story behind it? I was going to ask you. Talk about it. funny. Yeah. Uh, for those who didn't hear, he basically got his brother's high school friend to buy like five different shirts because they knew it was like a final four or five teams. And so uh, the friend bought the shirts, shipped them to his house, and then drove them over to J.J. Watt. And then when Watt made the decision, he figured he would just announce it himself on social media by wearing the shirt and working out. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So I think he say I think the names were Bob and Doug or something like Bob and Dale or something like Somewhere, that yeah, yeah. on the on the parcels. So yeah, I can't funny. remember who it was. Um, that's really good. I think Arizona with uh, Chandler Jones there on the other end, that's going to be very lethal. And uh, teaming up up with uh, Kyler Murray and uh, uh, Hopkins as well. That's going to be a fantastic team. Yeah, the one thing they they needed was a bit better defense, right? Like mm-hmm. they got they got guys like you said like Jones and Buda Baker's there and. Like their corners are solid, but they just Peterson, didn't. Yeah, they needed a little bit more on the defensive line. So that if Watt stays healthy, that should not hurt the team. Let's put it that way. That is the ultimate caveat, isn't yeah. it? Two-year contract. So we'll see if uh, he can make good on that contract. Carson Wentz. We didn't touch on this because this happened while we were away. But uh, he goes from Philadelphia Eagles to the Indianapolis Colts. Third-round pick, a conditional second-round pick, could be going the way of Philly. Um, probably the best landing spot for Wentz. Uh, all things considered, I mean, the way it ended in Philly was a little bit crazy. Uh, you know, turning over to Hertz, and then Hertz got pulled for the third stringer in the last game. We talked about that, but uh, Wentz, a lot to prove in an offense with a very competent running back. We talked about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, T.Y. Hilton looks to be on his way out. That came across Twitter the, yesterday, I believe, from his his own account. Uh, we got Michael Pittman, and uh, you know. Some other weapons, I guess. They have like 17 tight ends. A lot of tight ends. Yeah. Jack, not, is it Jack Doyle? Jack Doyle's still yeah, there. Yeah, I think he's one of them. And Ebron's still there. No, Ebron's gone. Oh, no, Ebron's with Steelers. I'm sorry. Duh. Yeah, anyways. So I yeah. remember. They had some bum that I was picking up every fucking week because I needed tight oh, ends. Oh, Moali Cox. Nah, Moali. That's <laughs> Mo-Ally. it. Yeah, Moali. So, I mean, probably the best case scenario, though, for Wentz. Yeah, it's very similar to the Eagles offense, um, just in composition, but uh, has a little bit more uh, of like an arsenal to use with not only Taylor, but he also has uh, Naheem Hines in the backfield. Right. Uh, And and then can kind of spread their ball around. I think having multiple competent tight ends will will help him because he's comfortable with that after playing with Ertz for so long. Um, So yeah, I think it's going to be very similar to, to what Carson Wentz had, but a change of scenery probably doesn't hurt. Uh, more quarterbacks on the wire. Alex Smith leaving the Washington football team. A little bit disappointing, but they're going with a younger uh, Taylor Henneke. They signed him to a contract extension after his playoff game was pretty good for, for his standards. And One game, get a contract. Exactly. A right. couple years and a few million bucks. Not going to complain about that. They're going to probably draft a quarterback as well, but Alex Smith is gone. Obviously, uh, uh, what was his name? Just. Dwayne Haskins. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to think of in English. Uh, he's gone as well from the team. Uh, Big Ben going to be returning to Pittsburgh. Contract hasn't been restructured yet, but that is coming in the works. So uh, Pittsburgh gets their main man, their quarterback. And the Russell Wilson situation, I don't think he's leaving Seattle, but boy, is this intriguing. Yeah. Um, it's weird to say I don't want to go anywhere, but hey, if you have to trade me, here's where I'll go. Four teams. Uh, who was it? The Bears, the, the Cowboys, Raiders? the Raiders, and I can't remember the fourth. Bra- not Browns. Sorry, who'd you say? The Bears, yeah. Cowboys, yeah. there was the Raiders. San I can't remember Francisco? the fourth one. I think mm. some, some team out west, but anyways. No, Any, Dallas. In, wasn't Dallas on there? Yeah, that's the Cowboys. Oh, so I didn't, didn't uh, listen to you. <laughs> Jesus. I, I thank you for listening. I'm not sure... <laughs> 
Dallas, Vegas, Chicago, New Orleans. Ah, uh, the Saints. New Orleans. There you go. Um, uh, I. So so I think there's there's a. It's plausible that he goes somewhere, but I, I think it's just a tough deal to make. Um, it, eventually, might get to that point, but also, who's gonna pony up? Probably the Bears. Actually, never mind. The Bears will do it. Will they do it? They would do it in a heartbeat. They I mean, don't. They, they don't they, value picks. They traded for Khalil Mack. You yeah, bet. they don't care. They just. If you're good and they feel like they need you, they will go and pay whatever it is to get you. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, Khalil Mack worked, but if they had Russell Wilson in that offense, all of a sudden they are um, uh, a legitimate team. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. They have way better upgrades than Mitchell Trubisky oh. and Nick Foles. Yeah, true. Um, All-Star Weekend in the NBA goes down this weekend. Why exactly they're having an All-Star Weekend is kind of beyond me outside of money. Doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, optics are not great. Uh, Obi Toppin, your boy Obi, <laughs> is in the slam dunk competition. Obadiah. Obadiah. Uh, Anthony Simons and Cassius Stanley out of Indiana. Not the big names that are supposed to be on the bill, but uh, apparently these three young guys can just fly. If I'm being completely honest, I will probably not watch Not going to watch on Sunday. I will probably watch no of the All-Star weekend. Okay. Zero percent. Is it bad that I've never heard of those three names before? No, it's not bad. you shouldn't. Okay. Not bad. Then. So I was like, I can kind of know. I know who Zion is, but not <laughs> those three. <laughs> I only know Obi Toppin because I drafted him in basketball as a joke. Exactly. And then he got hurt oh. first fucking night. He was on Ugly Boys. Yeah, he was on the Ugly Boys. Um, in this three point comp, which Lance will not be working, Steph Curry. No. You've heard of him, yep. Corey. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Devin Booker. I, yeah. Donovan yeah, so Mitchell. I got all these. I got all these guys. Jalen Brown, guys. Jason Tatum, Zach Levine. Uh, pretty star-studded cast, cast there for the three-pointer. Just missing Clay Thompson, obviously, because he's mm-hmm. injured this year. Uh, my money's on Zach. Actually, I think Zach Levine could could do really well. Yeah, I I don't know. Would you put money just out of the spur of the will? If I were to bet on somebody, yeah, yeah. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. There you go. Okay, probably. That's good. Steph Curry's wanna, too easy. Yeah, he is too easy, and he's probably the odds-on favorite for sure. Yeah. Not winning much money off of that. Corey, do you want to pick a one of these six? Um, do who I think I'm gonna who's I think is gonna win? No, or who you think's think gonna I lose? Yeah, who, who's ass. gonna yeah, have who's the worst? Gonna score? No, no, who I think could uh, you know make me a little bit more extra money on, on a Vegas bet? That's all that matters. Okay. All right, uh, Devin Booker. I think he's the most underrated player in the NBA. So. Oh boy. I've heard that somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Raptors have a COVID outbreak. They're uh, missing some players for tonight's game Tough. against Detroit leading up to the All-Star break. What are you going to do there? Uh, Oladipo out of Houston turned down a two-year $45 million extension. He's not that great this year. I don't know why he's turning that down. He if you don't know, I don't know. He's going to get more. He thinks he's going to get more years somewhere else. I mean, he might get term, but I don't know if he's going to get the dollar amount. Exactly. He's, that's like 20. And I think the two-year makes a lot of sense with Houston. You can kind of run the offense with John Wall and then uh, bank on yourself to get a bigger one in the next contract, right? I don't. Or see just it. a one-year or two-year, but an option after your first or something yep. like that, right? 100%. I don't understand that at all. No, me neither. Uh, in the Eastern Conference there, it's a three-team race at this point. 76ers, the Nets, the Bucks. Um, all three have really shone at different points in the season. I don't believe in the Bucks. Don't believe in the Bucks. No. Even after their five-game winning streak? No. Giannis looking like MVP? No. Okay. No. Um, how about the Nets? More so. Okay. It's such a star-driven league. Yeah. And, and they have three of them. I just... The, the Bucks just don't have enough. Like, I, I thought Drew Holiday might be enough to supplement what... You know they were lacking from last like previous years, mm-hmm. 
I mean, yes, he was hurt for the last little bit, but I just don't know that it's going to be enough. That's fair. 76ers with Embiid, Simmons. They're looking really legit, and mm-hmm. defense is playing well. Embiid's playing out of his mind. Can he stay healthy? That's the real question. If Embiid wants to play, he can be the most dominant center in this league. And that's a big statement because yeah. Jokic is around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, different way of impacting, but like on the defensive side of things, like Embiid can shut pretty well anyone down whenever he wants. It's just a matter if he wants to. Only a three-game difference between fourth place and 11th place. I believe fourth is the New York Knicks. That Obi Toppin. Occupy the Obi Toppin led Knicks. <laughs> so anything can happen there in the East. In the West, it's a kind of a three-team league out there as well. I mean, the Suns are actually sitting second points percentage-wise. The Jazz have a three and a half point lead. Three really and a half. Glad game I lead. bet them last year, not this year. Yeah, exactly. Fucking Utah. Damn, Donovan Mitchell. I know. And Rudy. <laughs> Fucking Rudy. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's it for the NBA side of things. We'll wrap things up with baseball. Uh, Lance, you got this note here. Alba Pruhol says. That Yadi Molina is the best catcher of his time. Mm-hmm. That's a big statement. Pools has been around for a long time as well. Yeah, well, they both played in St. Louis together. They did, of course. A um, little bit of bias So, there? Wait, I, sorry. Question. Is yeah. he saying he's the best catcher of all time or no, just of, the of his time. best of his time? Of his like of the time the that Yadier Molina has been in the league, he's the best catcher of his time. Best so catch, that would best catcher. Okay, that would put him up against uh, a little bit of well, all of Joe Mauer and oh, a yeah. little uh-huh. bit of Buster Posey. Buster That's Posey. what I was thinking too. Yeah. Like uh, essentially, you, you look at it, and Buster Posey came in and immediately made an impact. Uh, he won Rookie of the Year, and when Buster Posey came into the league, it was the first year that uh, Yadier Molina had made an All Star game. So you can kind of compare the two seasons from. Um, when Posey gets in the league. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's kind of tricky. Mm-hmm. Who would you say is the best catcher of that time? I think the biggest thing for me is that Yachty's been a catcher the whole time, whereas mm-hmm. the two other guys in question, uh, Posey and Maurer, which I agree, I think it's between those three, um, they've all gone to first base. You know, they just couldn't go the whole career of taking you know that many balls behind the plate so part of that though uh, is almost like it's almost more economical to move over because you get like if you can teach somebody coming in behind you to how you call games and if you're good at calling them like Maurer and Posey were wouldn't it make more sense for you to get out of the way for someone younger no sure but I think also a little bit of it was just trying to save their career like Maurer wouldn't have had all those years at first base if yeah. he kept as a catcher I think you know he would have had another couple maybe tops right like it's just it just wears you down after all those years especially the older you get mm-hmm. like, you can't quite squat behind the, the plate like you used to be able to so just the fact that Yachty is still so dominant as a catcher and you know has been relevant for so long that that's important I think I think it kind of depends on what you're looking for in your catcher as well. I mean, not to say that Yaddy was any slouch behind, you know, with the bat. I mean, but he's predominantly a fantastic defensive, you know, gold glove caliber catcher. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maurer was offensive dynamo as well. Bozy had his own right. I'm just looking at at Yaddy's stats. I mean, his arguably his best year uh, statistically, 22 homers, 76 RBI, 12 stolen bases for Yaddy. Yeah. And finished fourth in MVP voting. But he's also a career under-average hitter. Yeah. Um, OPS plus is some, is a stat that you can pull up on any player and look up, and it'll give you basically an average. 100 would be an average hitter. Mm-hmm. I think his is like 97. Yeah. And then Posey and Maurer are both 120s, uh, 125. So okay. uh, from an offense perspective, it's not even close. Yeah. 
But again, you also look at okay, Posey won a couple World Series where Yachty has won. Uh, Mauer obviously has none, but he's in a different conversation because his team was so fucking bad. Um, Justin Moore knowing him. That's it. Yeah, literally. Uh, but anyways, wow, over I thought, Bay. thought that was interesting. <laughs> also, uh, MLB Network's John Heyman says that the Rockies essentially don't have money to pay Trevor Story. Shocking. Um, Story's a free agent after this year. If you had to pick one spot that would need a shortstop like Trevor Story, where would he go? Hmm. Do you already have the? Do you already have an opinion? No. Oh, okay. Just asking okay. a question. Um, what if he goes to the Dodgers and replaces Seager? Mm, mm, I wouldn't think that Seager's ready to move. But Seager's got to sign a deal. I wonder right. if, if Dodgers don't want to pay him and pay Story instead. Mm, yeah. Could be. I don't know. Hmm. Seager just won a World Series MVP, so. Who's good in the MLB anymore? Um, <laughs> Here, I'll uh, give you who I think. Okay. Twins, question mark? Uh, the no, twins, they got Royce Lewis. But the Twins could be one. Okay. I mean, you can move anyone over to second uh-huh. uh, and have Trevor Story be your shortstop. The other one that... Makes a lot of sense to me. You move Dansby Swanson over to second base, and then he plays short for Atlanta. Atlanta. Mm. Mm. Because then you can also work Albies back into the outfield or something like that. Who's that third there? Yeah, that's another option, too. You could could almost have... Because both of them have the arm and the range for that. Yeah, you could shift someone to dominate the left side. Mm -hmm. Was Albies... Did he he ever play outfield? I think he played a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. But uh, Austin Riley is the third baseman, by the way. Oh. Oh, Who also hits bombs. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but he can, can play corner outfield. Throw him at first base or left field. Or, mm-hmm. <laughs> are, is the NL doing DH this year? No. Again? Oh. No. Be back to regular. Ah. Can, I can't well, believe, like, when you sucks. started our baseball league, I can't believe it's so soon. Like, yeah. we're three. I mean, spring. you talk about spring training starting on the weekend. Like, it's just insane how quickly this has come around. I know. It snuck up on everyone. Just, I t- we were talking about Randy and Rosarena yeah. and the goddamn Dodgers and the masks and all that shit. Like, just few months ago. It's crazy yeah. that it's already here, yeah. uh, which is exciting, though. Uh, two more. So in the NL, does any team, if you pick one team that's going to knock off the Dodgers, let's put it that way. The Dodgers have seven starting pitchers listed on their website right now, and they're all legitimate, maybe except Tony Gonsolin. Um, but I, hey, I I don't know who you who <laughs> you could pick to be, to be a team that rivals them. Uh, so feel free to jump in. There's I have only my one. guess, but. There's only one. No, no, there's more. Because Pod- I'm assuming you're leaning Padres. I'm su- I'm going Padres. Yeah. How how can you not with the the moves they made in the off season? I mean, money yeah. doesn't money doesn't win everything. I understand no. that. No, it doesn't. But name but it value helps a, helps a long way. I mean, are the Diamondbacks doing anything? Nope. No. The Giants? Nope. The Rockies? Nope. So the same no. team I mentioned earlier, the Braves. Yeah. No, I was thinking the Braves. So I think. Padres are interesting because this is the biggest competition that the Dodgers have had in their division over the past like fuck, half a decade. Mm-hmm. Like the only team that could be like, oh, they might. But um, I think with Soroka coming back, um, who else is on their rotation? I know they, like they picked up Charlie Morton, who was pretty good for the Rays last year. Yeah, Ryan Anderson. Uh, no, Ian Anderson. Okay, Ian Anderson, um, Ian Anderson was wild last year as a rookie. He was. Yeah. Uh, Max Fried is going to be there again. They, they just need one big arm as a starter, whether yep. they trade for that in the middle of the season or how it comes about. If they get one big starter, like I, I they can easily beat the Dodgers. Easily. I think the lineup is there. I love Travis Darno now. Like when I found out <laughs> that he has that bat and he can hit bombs, uh-huh. like, oh my God, he's my favorite catcher now. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. I misread that question. I thought it was just NL West. That's why I picked Padres. Yeah. I I, I agree with that. But I mean, the Padres are going to be a good answer regardless, right? Absolutely, yeah. I just don't know that the Padres have the the pitching depth to make a go of it. That's true. Because they're probably going to be without Clevenger for most of this year, Mm -hmm. if not all. I don't remember how long he's out for. Um, Yeah, good chunk of it for sure. Their fifth starter is questionable as well. But even then, like, I just don't... When you get in the playoffs, you only really need three, but... I still don't know that they have the three. I'm not sold they on like it. They like go Kirby Yates as well. So, Yeah. Yeah, and just the, the bullpen looks really good in Atlanta. But the last, one, the last uh, one, I don't know of a time that the AL has ever been this wide open. Like, if you look at each division, there's no favorite except the Yankees and the AL East. But the AL Central is complete toss-up. Everyone, for the most part, thinks uh, the White Sox. But... I've I get they're yeah, they're they they're like every other team like they're like the Buffalo Sabers or like the Padres, <laughs> uh, you hear about them all the time. They're supposed to be really good, then they're not. Um, so I and I honestly look at that roster. I'm not sure that I believe in it. Um, it's just pretty young though. Hey, like they they still have some potential to hit. Like yeah, I don't know, Tim Anderson and um, well, they I got really Luis Robert in the outfield who's wild. Juan yeah, Mancata, Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, yeah, I think. They can, and, Edwin? I mean, is Edwin Nomar. still going to be there? No. No, Edwin's a free agent right now. Okay. Yeah. But the, the like they got a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. I just something about it just doesn't strike me as being dominant. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh I no. just don't get that. No, feeling. not it's not like Yankees in the East. No, for sure. But it, even um, like are the Yankees that dominant? Really? Uh, I I don't know. They if got the a couple lotto strong. tickets in Tyen and and Kluber. Yeah, right. That's about all they did. Who, who beats them? I don't think the Blue Jays are there yet. I think the Red Sox are still a ways away. Um, maybe the Rays again, but I don't know. Healthy Judge and healthy Stanton, though, that's going to be key. Yeah, as always. Tough, tough to strike uh, Magic twice. Yeah, um, for the Rays. But you don't have you don't have my Rangers in the West. What? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right. No, <laughs> sorry, I don't. I, I hope this is the Angels' year. Like it has yeah. to, right? The Astros aren't great. The A's are the A's, so they'll probably have a good regular season or something there. again. Um, but Brandon and Trout, like if these next couple of years, while the Astros aren't good, are you know that, they, they got to hit now, or else the Trout era is wasted. Right? They got to like, pitch. They they don't need to hit. They need to pitch. Yeah, but they like if Dylan Bundy's legit this year, like he was last year. Uh, he took a massive leap getting out of Baltimore. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's sustainable because his career up to this point would tell me it's not. But uh, when you put up numbers like that, it's th- there's something to it. Uh, and then, of course, Shohei Otani is going to jump in every now and then. Uh, Andrew Haney is there. Is Griffin the Canning can take a step. Is the conversation around Otani ever going to be pick one position or the other? Like Injury-wise, can he keep? Because he's been injury-riddled the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Is that ever going to be a conversation? Probably not this year. You need his versatility. But down the line, is he going to have to pick one? Well, yeah, because time will just inherently do that to you. True. I, that's a dumb um, question. Sorry. No, I, but I, like in the short term, no. Yeah. Which is a valid question because would you rather have him split or would you rather have him you know, just strictly playing a position like first base DH or something like that. Yeah, because um, he can hit. The oh, yeah, he rakes. Hit. He rakes. So I don't know like what he's better at. I mean, pitching-wise, he just he gets hurt too often in order to make his start every fifth day. It's funny, though, 
and, and Corey, feel free to jump in. Like, if Otani is on any other team, this isn't a conversation. But because the Angels' pitching has been so trash for so long, that's why this becomes a conversation. They need right? him almost. Yeah, well, I think, but he's just so good at like he's just really good at both. I'm wondering if this doesn't start a trend like going forward. I mean, like when you know, growing up in baseball, even when you hit high level uh, high school, you're told you're either a position player or a pitcher. And especially when you get to college, you're a position player or a pitcher. Mm-hmm. But, like, how are kids not growing up wanting to be that? Or, you know, you see Madison Bobgarner. He should definitely be a pitcher in a DH. Like, mm. he can definitely hit. Like, I just wonder if Otani's not going to be the start of pitchers that can, you know, I don't know, go play left field on one of their, you know, two days after their start or something. You know what I mean? And, and hit and then DH or something. Like, This would know. be so he, much more interesting just, if he played in the NL. If yeah. Otani yeah. was an NL player, this would be... I, I think you'd get a bigger jolt out of this. That's true. Because you would have your pitcher spot hitting three. Right. Um, <laughs> which yeah. is fucking That nuts. is insane. Uh, but when he's playing out of the AL, it's like, okay, if, if he hits while he pitches, you're kind of fucked. So it really forces you to have to pick one side or the other, right? Like if he's going to pitch or if he's going to hit or if he's going to split and take days off on one to do the other, like... Because you're you're really losing the value on him, right? Because what he he would get th- two days of uh, of hitting and then have to take a day off before a start and after a start. Like it wasn't that what they were doing with him before? Whereas like he would hit for two or three days mm-hmm. and then get a day off yep. and then pitch, pitch on the fifth day, yeah, and then on Sundays him. he actually kept it on a Sunday rotation, right? And so it's like like is that good long term? Are you getting the most value out of your guy by doing that, or like do you bring him in? Because real, realistically, you could have him be like a two-inning, three-inning guy. Yeah. And almost isn't yeah. that more valuable? Like, look at the Rays. They've done that for years, and it works. So maybe that's something that he should be doing is is a two- or three-inning guy instead of a starter. He's a reliever. Yeah. Or uh opener. Yeah? Yeah. Well, Why not? I don't know if opener would work just based off of, okay, because you would then have to have a pitching spot open on your uh, on your batting lineup so you wouldn't have a DH. No, I don't think he would hit on his – I think he would he would open his two or three starts and then hit the the extra four days and then – But then – You know, for like do a race type situation. Like he wouldn't yeah. hit on his, his pitching days, I don't think. Like I guess the tricky thing with that is then you're sacrificing the amount of potential you have on his starts. Right. Because if you're going to if you're going to sacrifice a day to let him throw, you might as well max him out, right? I just Fair I enough. see it as like it's the 7th inning because we've seen pitchers like play corner outfield or or what have you like that are relievers or like you know swing guys for example. I, I could really see it lining up or even like playing first. Yeah. Like if Otani were to come in at like the 7th inning from right field for example. And you just swap the pitcher to right. Like that almost that almost could work. Mm. I I just I, I think like just thinking about it because you know you don't lose I don't think the I, I don't know if you lose the DH or not by doing that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how the rules work on that, but yeah, it would it would be interesting Sorry, say, to look at. Say again, if so, say like it's the seventh inning. And He's you move right. Otani from right into the pitcher spot, and you move your pitcher into right field. How does that affect your order? Is it, wait, Otani's playing right field, and then he goes pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, and then replace. I guess the he would lose the DH, right? right? No, I don't think it should. I no. think it's only. If, 
Mm. Well, you would lose the DH because because then Otani is moving into a spot where mm. yeah, you would lose your DH. Right. Oh, right. Because he's in the line. And then your pitcher would be inserted into right field, or he would be inserted into the pitcher spot, which is now the DH spot. Okay. That's a convoluted way to look so at it, but like, way. but like I think it can work. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. If you put him in the seventh, um, but yeah, in any case, the Angels need to win this year. Yeah, uh, so they need help. Shorts. This uh, is the year to do it, though. Like 100, yeah. percent this is the year to do it. They get competent pitching out of Heaney, uh, Bundy. If he becomes the number one guy, they got Rysel Iglesias as a closer now uh, out of Cincinnati, who's legit. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they they have the guys that are in spots to succeed. I was actually looking through their depth chart uh, earlier today. Like they they have a team, like they have a legitimate opportunity, and I haven't felt that way in a long time. I can't remember the name of this first baseman that uh, that's coming through as, as a sleeper either. Jared Walsh maybe is his name. Okay, I don't know if that sounds right, but um, Colby's looking it up right now. In any case, this first baseman is apparently supposed to be like. The real deal. Jared like, Walsh. Yep. Yeah. 20 years Jared old. Walsh. From Brooksfield, Wisconsin. Apparently, this dude, all he does is just rake. Like, he just goes out there, hits bombs. Yeah, and Him and Austin Riley. Yeah, him and Austin Riley. <laughs> Cut from the same cloth. Hit dingers and chew bubble gum. That's play, what they do. Yeah, play the corners. Yeah. The, so the, the fancy and Anders of... <laughs> Literally, <laughs> baseball. They baseball. Just stick together and just always play. You together. just need to get Riley in uh, in Angels colors, and then and then you have that duo. You're set. Uh, who's up the middle in in LA for the Angels? Uh, is like David Simmons Fletcher and I, is Simmons still there? I think no, so. I think and he's then a free agent. I thought he was a free agent too. Um, oh no, he's on the Twins. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um. Fletcher, and Fletcher. there's some guy that just always makes contact and it doesn't get out of the infield. Who, Fletcher? No. Oh. Another, like, second short, secondary, like, second base shortstop outfield type Jose guy. Iglesias. No, oh, yeah. but that's their shortstop, yep. Okay. Yeah, Iglesias is fast as fuck. He is fast, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, I remember, oh, he was on... He's he on, on the Tigers. Who was he on first? Ti- was he on the Tigers or the Red Sox first? He's on the Red Sox, right? Uh, I remember him from the Tigers. Okay. I don't. I, I don't. I, believe it or not, I didn't follow the career of Jose Iglesias as close as I should have. Really, really. I know. Anyway, but like in the outfield, they're they're pretty loaded. Yeah. I mean, obviously Upton. Trout, but Upton's out there too. Trout, yeah. Fowler, and Tommy Wright. Stella is what I'm who I'm thinking of. Tommy oh, Stella. Yeah. yeah, Tommy Stella <laughs> is the that. Really not just makes contact with the ball and That's then literally what he does. Maybe out of the infield sometimes. Yeah. That's true. But no, they got the guy like David Fletcher took a big step last year. Yeah. Um, and Jose Iglesias can be like a leadoff if, if he because he's fast um, if he just fast. gets on like that lineup behind him all of a sudden can look pretty darn good so yeah. didn't base- think we'd ever talk that long about the no, Angels no exactly that's we kind of refreshing so much baseball talk yeah. coming up I mean spring training is, is underway we've got the season starting in like three weeks it's true we'll, yeah. we'll have to do a deep dive division by division Lance oh, Dahl will host the second edition of the podcast. I can take you through that. Dude, I need fuck. to do. I need to do more research on baseball. Like I did a a, a fantasy draft about a week or two ago. Why are you doing fantasy drafts like five know, weeks from the so season? Early, but anyway, what kind of gong um, show league is this? Very gong show. Anyway, Fucking like I joke. agreed to it on Friday and Saturday afternoon. I was drafting. Anyways, um, I realized Sorry? drafting guys that was that were like good in 2015. Oh no! You had the wrong like, era in your head. Yeah, well, like, they're good. 
that was like my prime MLB the show years and like when I was following baseball, like when I was actually playing baseball. So I was like, yeah. Well, like, who do you I got on know. your team? Let's go through it quick. Come on. Oh my God. I got to pull this up now. Um, you don't got anywhere to be. you late for class here, Corey? No, I'm fine. I'm <laughs> for class. What time you got class at? Take a uh, talk. 6.30. <laughs> Oh, okay. So you got 15 minutes. Oh, okay, I thought it was the 15 mark. While we're like, because because uh, I don't think we've given baseball enough love. I'm excited about the season. So, are you a full season? Gonna I'm be traveling. I'm and- so much more excited for the baseball season this year than I almost am for any other league. Wow! Like the hockey season has actually impressed me. I didn't think I would get this into the Canadian division for this long. Right. I thought it would have wore stale by now, but it hasn't. Uh, and basketball, I just I can't get invested in. That's fair. Just can't this year between the injuries and like. I mean, rest days were going to go up regardless of mm-hmm. COVID this year, but fuck, it's just too much. LeBron just took his first game off tonight. Yeah, except for LeBron, I will say. Yeah, I mean, of year, what, 17, 18, he's playing mm-hmm. all these games? It's insane. But it's just, it's so tough to to follow this year when it's just, every day's a crapshoot, you think the game's going to be on, then all of a sudden fucking COVID canceled it, or yeah. an ice storm got canceled. Yeah, the got Texas away. storm, exactly. You know, it's just, it's been tough for the NBA this year. All right, I got my team here. All right, let's go. So I didn't full-on go 2015 skill level. I, I took some prospects or, like, some young guys like Juan Soto and Dansby Swanson. We'll start at the catcher position. We'll start giving you our oh feedback. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. I don't want to so hear Travis it. Starno. Travis Darno. You love him. Yeah, that's uh, tough. got him late. Okay. Well, late. That's good. So I got uh, Luke Voigt, Brandon Lowe. Okay. Um, well, you want to slow down so we can give you thoughts on each player here? Right. We got all, t- all day for this. Well, here. we got a little bit of time to just kind of give right. one one liner after. Okay. Right. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt. Yeah, that's good. Power hitter. Okay. That's good. Big time. Brandon Lowe. As oh. a second baseman? Okay. Okay. He has multi-position. I think he should have Hopefully. outfield, too. Yeah, he has outfield. He was a late, late pickup. Uh, yeah. Manny Machado. Okay. Solid. Bounce back Bobichette here. And, Bobichette and Dansby Swanson. Oh. You're, you're probably set. never going to start Dansby Swanson. Unless he's a utility guy? Yeah, he's my second base shortstop guy. Oh. Was, I think that was a pretty late pickup. Oh, okay. These are all late pickups, by the way. Right. <laughs> they make it sound better. Um, here's a first example of a 2015 guy, uh, Eric Hosmer. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. Fuck, he gets drafted in our leagues every single year and becomes trade bait within a week and a half. He's got a, uh, a week or two of solid production. And it's always the same guy that fucking drafts Hosmer and then ships him around and be like, bro, look at his numbers. He's ranked like 80th in the league. Shout out Zubrecki. No, that's Cole. <laughs> Cole true. fucking does that. Cole does that. You're every right. single year he drafts Hosmer and then tries to trade him for <laughs> like he's a fucking gold mine. <laughs> All right, my five outfielders real quick. Uh, Juan Soto, Eloy Jimenez, Kyle Tucker, Ian Happ, and A.J. Pollock. There's a 2015 guy. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck wow. yeah, A.J. Pollock's a tough Your bowl. first three, though. My goodness, that's a great bowl. Um, Nelson Cruz, Buster Posey. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, 2015 David has Fletcher. arrived. David Fletcher. <laughs> hey, there you go. Uh, you didn't couldn't uh, he'll hit you 330. Um. Tyler O'Neill, the Canadian. Yeah, he uh, hits fucking taters. Yeah, I just drafted him because he played in the same league. <laughs> oh, and, and he hits bombs, though. Mm-hmm. Where's he on again? I don't remember. St. Louis. St. Louis. Louis. Yeah, he I could take off. He, I remember when he was playing his first spring training and one of his first games, he had a bomb off Clayton Kershaw. And everybody mm-hmm. was like, oh. Like, <laughs> he's legit, guy. though. Anyway, to round out the position players, we have 2015 specialist Kyle Seeger. <laughs> <laughs> He, he, you know, can we laugh about that? He's still kind of relevant. Third base, Uh yeah. Like, as a bench guy, he's probably going to hit you 25 bombs. He'll hit you close to 70 RBI. 
Yeah. Uh, he'll be an absolute liability on your average, though. 260, yep. right? No, 220? Yeah, it'll probably be low. Yep. Oh, Mariners are bad. It's. Uh, I think it's just points versus points. It's not a category thing, so right. I just need to... That's good. Um, anyway, I only got a couple more minutes here. So, pitchers, uh, really quick, Max Scherzer, Lucas Giolito, um, uh, Denilson Lamette, uh, Framber Valdez, let's go. Oh, man, uh, Framber. Zach Davies, um, Chris Bassett, and my relievers are Edwin Diaz, Brad Hand, and Zach Britton. Okay. I like my clothes. You don't have a lot of pitching. Why is that? It's only eight. It just, it wasn't, it, I don't know. That's, that's just how I league is? Which league? Yeah, I looked at all the spots and there was only, um, what is it, nine pitching spots. Nine pitching spots? Leagues. You have eight. Well, I don't. What? You had five starters and three closers? I think six starters. Scherzer, Giolito, Lamette. Amber Valdez, Zach Davies, and Chris oh, Bassett. And Bassett. All that's right. Yeah. Soon. That's oh. not bad. That's not bad. If Davies is like oh. half as good as he was last year, that'll be a great pick. I think that was one of my last picks, like full honesty. I was like, I, I think, can't believe that someone wouldn't have just looked at last year's numbers and be like, fuck, he's an ace. Yeah. That's all I go on. Yeah, like, well, yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah. That's well, a good late pick, though. How they do last year and 2015. Framber anyway. Valdez could be interesting. It ought to be really good or really bad. Mm-hmm. Tune in in about what? That was my first pick. <laughs> Framber was your first oh. pick? Yeah, that was my first rounder. You're anyway. Yeah, Tune in in about two or three weeks. Lance and I will go through our fantasy lineups when we draft in his league. Yeah, because everyone cares about our fantasy team. Oh, so. absolutely. Uh, it's been another edition of On the Board. Corey's got to get out of here. Thank you so much for finding, downloading, uh, subscribing, whatever you do with this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash onthebordpodcast. We're on Twitter as well, at onthebordpod. And uh, we'll be back hopefully next week. Time sure, permitting? No, we'll see. We'll see. Let's do it. Four yeah, quarter Or three weeks from now. What's that? Or three weeks from or now. Or three weeks from now. Hopefully not by then. But for Corey Pekoskis, Lance Stahl, Colbin McKee, signing off. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to On the Board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. Yes!